want to come to you and speak to you about from my heart today is that I believe we are in a hope crisis. No matter what party you're with or for or against, we're truly living in a hope crisis. And when I look at this and I think about it, I, I intentionally had been off social media for a couple weeks. I know I had a post on there, but they recorded it and put it up. And, and here's the reason why. Because, first of all, all the children at home and here, put your fingers in your ears, seriously. Put your, all children, put your finger in your ears. Or if you're in a sensitive adult, put your finger in your ears. If you're religious, put your finger in your ears. You watching at home, make sure the kiddos. I, here's what I believe about social media. I think it's a great tool. We use it. Other people use it. But I think, got your finger in your ears, kids? I think social media, if it's used improperly for Christians, becomes Christian porn. Did you hear me? It becomes, y'all hear me out there? It becomes Christian porn. What's it mean? It means an addiction that you're living out of a fantasy and you're burning your influence for Christ like throwing $20 counterfeit dollar bills everywhere you go and missing the opportunity to draw people to Christ. I didn't say you can't comment on things. I'm just saying always remember who you are here to influence for. Right? Who? We're here to influence for Christ. And here's what I know about God. Here's what I know about God. Not only does God never lose a battle, but God never wastes a battle either. You listen. Not only does God never lose a battle, God does not waste a battle either. What are you talking about, Pastor? It's like with the children of Israel. And they were coming into the promised land, and they marched around Jericho for seven days. And what happened? Those walls came down. And you know what God did? He used those walls as a ramp for them to go in and have victory. We don't know everything about the mind of God. We don't know everything we know about the plan of God. But we do know one thing. We represent God. Wherever we are, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, at work, at home, and yes, even in church, and anything we speak, say, or influence should be influencing people to Christ. Does anyone believe that with me today? <clears throat> so as we look at today, and I know it's really the feeling in the air, I think that's why, you know, because you always have people that, you know, believe for one candidate, and they're, 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 they feel hopeless if they don't win. <clears throat> Another candidate that they feel hopeless if they don't win. But let me tell you something. I've been through and stood for so many presidential candidates, and I tell you what, I'm not real happy with any of the others that I've really done over the years, except, you know, there's one or two here or there, because they're men and someday women, right? What are you saying, Pastor? My faith is not in a person. My faith is not in a political party. My faith is not in religion. My faith is not in a denomination or a non-denominational church. My faith is not in the independent spirit field, could be Holy Ghost someday, want to be prophet, prophetless, or whatever church. My faith is in Christ and Christ alone. <clears throat> and I know no matter what we go through, we will go through because Christ is our rock and that's what we stand on and we will prevail by winning. Look, when people are hopeless, broken, and hurting, that's not the time to get down the ditch and whine and moan. That's the time to get 
time to minister to the broken and hurting. Not criticize, not, but we're here to minister the gospel. We're here to share Christ. So at the end of this, I won't be able to do a full message because we're going to do communion as well. And you at home, go grab you some juice, crackers, milk, I don't care, Coke, Diet Coke, whatever. <laughs> it's really about the symbol, not about what it is. And we're going to take communion together. So as we get into this, I, I believe there's a, a hope crisis in our world. Does anybody else believe that? Not just in this nation, but in the world as a whole. And study after study shows us this. <clears throat> you can live life without much notoriety. You can live life without much money. You can live life without, without much food. You just need some food. You can live life without much comfort. But no one can live life without hope. We all need we know the biblical term, Pastor Bill, who will be here in two weeks, and Pastor Isaac will be here next Sunday. Look out, you need to be here. Pastor Isaac next Sunday, 10 a.m. and 7 p.m., join us. <clears throat> but what Pastor Bill has taught us is the root word, elpis, the Greek word, elpis, it means what? It means confident expect for hope. It means confident expectation. And if we don't have confident expectation, we're hopeless. And if we're hopeless, that means we don't have energy. We don't have drive. We, we're not the best us that God planned us to be. So we can't really live long without hope. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever or kind of an in-between believer, when you're hopeless, that's the worst feeling that there is. <clears throat> because it's essential, not indispensable. And then the crisis of hope here is nothing new. So you're not facing anything new. You're not facing whether it's politics or not. You're not facing anything new that hasn't been faced before. Our nation is what? It's in political division. A lot of that's due to the pundits and social media that run social media and the pundits and the news and all that. Just pick one you want to try to believe and you can't believe any of them because they're out for fame and wealth and that's their business, so whatever. We just have to have good discernment if we want to know the truth, I guess. But we can disagree politically, but what we must pray for unity. So that's what I did. I just got along with God. So okay, you, to, you know, who do you want me to vote for? What do I need to do? How, what support do I need to give? How do I need it? And do it and leave it at the cross. That, that, that's what I can do. And after that, it's trusting God. I trust Him during it. I'm going to trust Him after it. Remember the third option. Anybody remember that? We talked about the third option. That means Satan wants you to choose a side. Police or no police. Republican or Democrat or whatever it is. You know, conservative or not conservative. Whatever it is. He wants you to choose a side. And if he can get, he don't care which side you choose because he hates everybody. He just wants you to choose one. And if you choose one, he knows there's an automatic divide. And what I want you to realize is you and I have to make a stand for Christ. We have to make a stand. If we want our children and our children's children to live in a God-fearing God country, you can't be fearing in God's country. I'll just, just preach to myself. If you want your children and your children's children to live in a God-fearing country, you can't fear and fear a country, you've got to lead a country by the Spirit and the power of God. You say, well, I want to. Well, I do. Whatever. Do you pray for it? Do you believe for it? When you do this right here or this right here, are you promoting Christ or are you sharing someone or regurgitating someone else's opinion? Christian P. You know, may not have their finger in their ears now. <clears throat> so as I've been bringing this to you now for almost a year, and I want to remind us of that today, this one verse, and then we'll get into what it is that I have for you. Remember what I shared with you last week, the one statement? Are you willing to evaluate your politics through the filter of your faith 
rather than to create a version of faith that fits your politics. Let me say it again. Are you willing to evaluate your politics, what? Through a filter of faith rather than to create a version of faith that supports your politics. Every political party, it doesn't even matter if it's the Soviet Union, every political party finds a way to ease God in there somewhere. You just got to realize none of them are ever going to represent Christ like you do. Did you all hear me at home? No one's going to represent Christ except Christ's children. And we need to come to grips with that. And it's so important because Jesus' one prayer request, right as he'd taken the last, after the Last Supper with his disciples before he was arrested, John 17, two verses. He says, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one, what? As we, as the Father and Son are one. I, Him, in them, Christ in us, you in me, God in Him, that they may be what? Brought to what? Complete unity. And when we come into unity, what happens? Then the world, everybody say the world. The world will know what that you sent, not us, but that Christ was sent for the world. And you have what? Loved them even as you have loved me. So he said, not only does Christ first, does God first love us, we understand in 1 John, but, but what else? He's saying Christ first loved the world because he gave his life for saved and unsaved, for those he knew would never believe and those that did believe. So he stood for that. And therefore, if he can do that, what can you and I do? So here's what I want to get to. Now, I'll take a few minutes on it, and then after, you know, our amazing men of God this next two weeks, which it's going to really be starting to tickle out prophetically what God's saying and doing <clears throat> over the next year or so. So as difference makers, what? As difference makers, we the church <clears throat> win or lose on how we treat each other. As difference makers, we the church and the body of Christ win or lose based on how we treat one another and how we treat our world every day of the year. Even how we treat media, even how we treat people that vote different than us, even how we treat politicians that are different than us, even how we treat churches that are different than us, even how we treat, treat, treat atheists and agnostics. It doesn't matter, folks. We have one standard, and that's to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor whether they're a Muslim, a Democrat, a Republican, a conservative, a socialist, ugly, cute or not, love them as you love yourself. And if you can't love them as yourself, you obviously don't love God and you never have an understanding how to love yourself. Because I couldn't love myself until I first loved God. He began to reveal to me how valuable I am and how special I am. I was always trying to live and prove myself. And then I came to the realization that he first Love me. And now I can rest. If everyone turns their back on me, I can still know that I am loved. Is anyone loved today? <clears throat> so I'm going to read something to you from the Old Testament. Because what I want you to realize, you know, we can say this is dark times around our nation, right? Not about who wins the race or who loses, but all the stuff that's been going on. All the stuff for, man, the last 15, 20 years, 30 years in this nation just gets darker, tougher, darker. And they always say, Every election, it doesn't matter if it's local, if it's state, or nationwide. It doesn't matter if it's dog catcher or president. It really doesn't matter. It's the most, what, it's the most what? Important. important election ever. 
Yeah, sure, if, you do, if you're living for man. It's quiet in the Holy Ghost house. If you're living for man, is but, but see, I'm not nervous. Because my God knew the outcome of the election. I just got to get in tune with his spirit to flow the way he wants me to flow and to do what he wants me to do. That's my mission. So I'm going to read something to you from the Old Testament. And these words were written over 700 years before the birth of Christ. And we'll see that this hopeless thing is not something new. Isaiah 9, 2 says this. The people walking in darkness. Now I'm going to stop there and then I'll get the second half of the verse, which is more uplifting and positive later. But the people what? Are what but to the people walking in darkness. What I want you to realize, this happened, he wrote this 700 years before, this was written 700 years before Christ was born. And get this, get this, people were still living in darkness. I want you to realize there will always be people around you, maybe you or others, that are living in darkness. But I will tell you this, I'm not living in darkness now, but there's been times in my life I have lived in darkness. I know what darkness is. I know what discouragement is. I know what betrayal is. I know what failing friends when I fail a friend is. I know what failing a loved one or a family member is when I fail a family member. But I also know what it is when a family member or a friend fails me. I know the pain of it. You know the pain of it. I've been transparent that I preached the gospel for 20 years and found myself in depression for three years and I had to meet face to face why I was in such a dark place when I had such a great life around me. You can have an array of light and glory around you, but if you're dark in your mind, you're dark in your heart, then you'll be dark in your life. And there's only one way out, and that way is Jesus. Now, Jesus uses people. Jesus used a man of God that later on became one of my mentors, my key mentors in my life, Dr. John Walker. I went and spent a week with him, and he gave me the tools to see my identity clear and to see my value to God and my value to others in a way that you thought, well, pastor, by this time you've been preaching 30 years. You should have figured this out. Yeah, sure, and you're perfect too. Okay. No, I haven't figured it out. And no, I'm about the time I think I got it figured out, man, and I got this thing down, you know what happens? I found out I don't know anything. About the time I thought I had this pastoring thing down and we got great momentum and this is moving and that's shaking, then we had COVID. And boy, not only did we have COVID, oh, it's the year of the presidential election. I want you to receive your calling to the ministry right now. I bet there's not very many other preachers and preacherettes receiving the call to pastor right now. They're going to wait to see what happens and when to jump in and then be a pastor. But you know what? I didn't have a choice. God chose me. And when God chose me, I got to an answer the call. Even on days like this, I'm not depressed. I'm not sad. I'm not nervous. I'm excited because I have a message from Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. And he's the only one I have to please. And you know what? You can get your little chinny chin chin off your little chesty chest chest. If you'll put Jesus first. And you others that got your chin so high and so haughty, pride comes before a fall. Isn't that what we've heard for a long time? Pride comes before a fall. Then you might get your chin down out of the air. If you began to love people, even though you think you got something over on them or whatever it is, or you win or they didn't, whatever it is, you need to come to a place of realization where whatever third of this country you are, you need to realize it's not about you. It's about him and it's about others. And I'm not here for Dalton. If I was here for Dalton, I wouldn't be doing this. There's lots of things I'd be doing other than preach. 
But like I tell young preachers, if you could do anything else, do it. If you can't, preach. That's what my pastor told me, and it worked for me. Because there's been about 3,000 times at least that I know of that I wanted to quit. And I go back to what Pastor Art said. He wouldn't call me. He wouldn't appoint me. I actually backslid eight months when I was called to preach. Because I was running from it. And finally, I had basically a visitation from God that I had to do it. When I repented and rededicated my life and accepted that call to preach, and I went to him with tears in my eyes and said, why didn't you tell me? I said, did you know? He said, of course I knew. And he had tears and I had tears. He said, of course, son, I knew. I said, well, why didn't you tell me? Why did I go through eight months of hell? I was back out doing drugs. I could be in hell right now. He said, well, I'd rather you find out now that God called you not a church or a man called you. Because when you're going through hell, you'll go through hell because you'll know you didn't choose him, he chose you. But see, that's the same call as children of God. That's what the Great Commission is all about, isn't it? Whom he has saved, right? Whom he, whoever is saved, where we, we're to go forth to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, cast out devils, all that good stuff. And go preach the gospel with signs following. I didn't say the five-fold ministry people. I said any believers. He told us to go forth and make nations and bring them unto God. You're not going to win a nation if you just got an opinion that touches a third of the people. Grace is not grace when it doesn't cost you something. Grace is only grace when it costs you everything. And when it costs you everything, you can still be kind and loving even when people say bad things about you or post bad things about you or people you like or your opinions, you, you have to come to the foot of the cross. Bring yourself back to the level ground of the, the, the ground under the cross and begin to receive hope that is divine, hope that is not of this world, hope that doesn't depend on men, hope that doesn't even depend on you. It is the hope in Christ, which is His glory. So people have always walked in darkness. I mean, there's times I want to feel sorry for myself, and I just go read something about Paul. What a great man he was, right? He was beheaded. What about Peter? He was awesome. His shadow healed the sick. He's crucified upside down. I hope I get out of this planet without that going on, but you never know <laughs> the way things are going. We, none of us know. But we know one thing. We pursue on. What do you think Peter thought when, when he did all these great miracles and the government and everyone took him and what they do, and the church and the government took him and crucified him upside down. Do you think he was hopeless? What about Paul? Do you think he was hopeless when they were getting ready to, when they were getting ready to, to take his head off and make him an armed martyr? You know what he said? Hmm, it's really hard right now. Let's see. He might say, Lord, I wrote to you, it'll be later on two-thirds of the New Testament. And God, you know, I was a murderer and I was a religious person. But then you met me in person and I became a, a, a minister, a prophet to the Gentiles, to the hopeless. And I brought them and spread the gospel around the world. And I've honored Jesus in every step, every way. I'm not perfect, but I, I've done my best, Lord. And now you're going to let them take my head off? How embarrassing it is. Will they believe I'm a false prophet? Will they think that I didn't have anything? Will they stand for your word if I'm killed or crucified? Lord, what? No, he didn't say. He said, hmm, I'm kind of torn, really. Kind of, hmm, should I die? Should I live? Should I die? Hmm. If I die, it's gain. If I live, I can stay around here and help you all longer. Lord, you decide. I really don't want 
To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I'm cool with that. I got the Lord. When we say Emmanuel, when we get into Christmas, Emmanuel means God with us. I want you to realize Jesus didn't come to hang out near you or around you. Jesus didn't come out to be over you or under you. He came out to be with you and in you. That's who Emmanuel is. And we see the prophet crying out. Isaiah's crying out, hey, all of you living in darkness out there, what an opportunity you Christians have. What an opportunity all you Christians have. Get yourself off of your own little emotion of how you feel, da, 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 and find someone broken. Find someone hopeless. Find someone more desperate than you. You don't, you don't have to be hopeless. You just find someone a little more hopeless than you. You, you. you know what makes you an expert? Just knowing a little bit more than somebody else. You don't have to know a lot because they don't know you don't know a lot. They just know you know more than them. And if you know Christ and the hope of His glory, even if you're battling, even if you're struggling, hang in there. Press in Find someone, go bills above, find someone to touch. You didn't see it on social media. I'm being attacked by something. I don't know what it is. But it's not going to stop me, right? So here's the thing. You that are walking in darkness, you know you're walking in darkness. No one has to tell you. It could be darkness in your marriage. It could be darkness, you know, with your finances. It could be darkness with your kids. It, it can be darkness with friends. It can be darkness in church and religion. It can be darkness over the politics and the news media. It, it, it can be all kinds of darkness. But here's the thing. You know you're in darkness. Why do you act like you're not? But shh, here's a secret. Here's something Isaiah was saying. Hey, all you out there in darkness, God knows you're in darkness. God knows when we're in darkness. He said, well, why does he leave me in a dark place? He's not. He's already given you a way out. But as long as you keep loving the darkness and, and you know, petting the darkness and get on, so that's why I don't get on social media. Then I got to wonder, do they really hate me or is that just, you know, they're just upset right now? Do they hate black people or do they hate white people? Or do they hate Republicans or Democrats? Do they hate this or that? I, I don't want to get on there and try to assume because you know what that makes you. I don't want to do that. Why am I going to waste the Holy Ghost and my anointing on the opinion of some idiot? Now, if you're the idiot, forgive me. I'm just saying. It's Christian P is what it is. It's what it is. A lot of people can't wait to get up in the morning for a second. What if I got any comments on what I said? Oh, you said that. And then, and then you got each other's stinking phone number and you're fighting on social media. Pick up the phone and be a big boy or a big girl. Go visit somebody and love them and bring them a gift and say, I'm sorry. I don't even care if I am right or you're right. I love you. But you're trying to explain yourself. What if Jesus said, well, you know, I'm, I'm on the cross right now. Ooh, it's cold up here because I'm naked. And I hope somebody brings me some antibiotic because I got really bad cuts on my back and my eyes swollen together. I wonder if anybody really loves me because I thought the church was for me. They must be against me. I mean, there's my mom and, you know, a few others and, Ooh, what's that guy going to do, that sharp sword thing, that spear? Oh, that's not good. And I'm not making fun of Jesus on the cross. I am not. I, I, I can't even imagine the horror and the torment he went through because he first loved. But I am saying, when we 
desecrate, denigrate our influence and throw it away like cheap dollar bills out in the wind. That is a desecration to God. He called you. He saved you. He anointed you. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. Jesus knew about trouble, didn't he? He said this in John 16, In this world, he's talking to his disciples here, his apostles. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. That's not the only place he said you'll have trouble. He began to prophesy what's going to happen to him. He began to tell him. He said, you're going to have trouble. Brother to fight against brother. Parents against children. Children against parents. War, poverty. It almost sounds like a political campaign. Parents fighting children over politics. Neighbor fighting neighbor over politics. Family fighting family. Brother fighting brother. Talking about the church. Sisters fighting sisters. Almost sounds, it doesn't sound like a kingdom issue. It sounds like a political issue. Who are you fighting for? He said there'll be parents against children, war, poverty, famine, earthquake, suffering, sickness, pain, darkness, deception, divorce, distress. This is what Jesus said would happen. Mourning, grieving, sadness, hatred. People will curse you, steal your belongings, and at the end, you shall die badly. That's his disciples. They did. His 12, they did. They didn't die good. I mean, John, they couldn't even kill him. They boiled him. They done everything. Finally, just put him on an island because God wasn't going to let him kill him. It had been a whole lot easier to die. Shoot, I bet John's sitting over there trying to repent, Lord. You know, I love you. <laughs> you give me this revelation. But, I mean, shoot, at least when, when Peter was crucified up down, upside down, you know, in about 10 hours, he was done. And Paul, it was instant. You must really love Paul. He was like, over. And here I am. They can't even kill me. And they're boiling me. And now they put me by myself. It's COVID everywhere, I guess. I'm on an island. Think you're dealing with COVID? Be thrown on an island after your flesh has been boiled in hot oil and they've pulled your hair out and they've burned your hair and they've tried every way to kill you and they throw you on an island by yourself. No, no first aid kit, no antibiotic, no nurse, no surgeons. It's you and the dirt, the sand, and the heat, and the wind, and the rain and the storm, and your wounds, and your scrapes, and your cuts, and your broken ego. Oh, oh, Josh, this is crazy. And he was the one that loved Jesus the most. <laughs> and he was Jesus' favorite disciple. But you, O oh saint of God, yea, I say unto thee, you know everything. You know if a prophet's true or a prophet's false. I would be careful. I'd be careful jumping in on that junk. I heard about it. I didn't see it. But I'm praying for people that say stuff like that. You better be careful who you judge. Not only just anyone. Now, God's men and women can miss it, but he'll judge them, not us.
By the way, Prophet Trout did prophesize President Trump would be a one-term president. I just didn't want to tell you. Because <laughs> I knew the upset happened. I, he's the only one that I knew that prophesied that. But I'd be careful who I'm out here calling names. Christians, preachers, pastors, Sunday school people, whoever. Be careful. It's, it's your, it's your uh, life. Whatever you want to do with it, it's yours. You can do what you want with it. Unless it's Christ, you can't. But anyway, let's look at that verse again. In this world, you will have trouble. Take heart. <laughs> okay. I'm over here. It has been boiled. I'm on an island by myself. It's dark. It's cold. Oh, this is why I take heart. Because Jesus has. He didn't say he will. Jesus has overcome the world. Remember, God, not on, he never has lost a battle but he never fails to use a battle. So whatever this means, I know some way, somehow, God's going to turn it in his favor when the work he wants done to be done. For either side. Oh, maybe I'll get to something good here. I don't know. You're kind of tense. Let's see. Let's read the rest of the verse. So the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Let us. So I said, people walking in darkness. People walking in darkness, 700 years before Christ, even before that. But he says, these people that are walking in darkness now have what? They have seen, those who have walked in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. Wow. You notice when, you know when I felt God more. I've, I've, I've went and basically raised a man from the dead in my late 20s. He'd been dead for two days, brain dead. They were getting ready to pull the ventilator. He was an atheist, and a family member had me go pray for him. God told me he was going to raise him up, and I'm like, why? And later on, he told me it was so the religious family would believe it's God's will to heal. I prayed for him. He started breathing different. The next day, he was up. The next day, he was out of the hospital. He'd been brain dead, had an aneurysm, just exploded in his brain. And God raised him from the dead. And I, I, it took me a while, a few year, couple years for God to explain why he even did that. Because I'm thinking all the good people that could have been healed. But see, there's things you don't know. You think you know, but you don't. I think I know. I don't. I know certain ways of God, ways I've experienced. But there's so many ways of God I don't know. I'm not going to sit up here and tell you something I know that I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's next. But I do know what the mission is, and that's to be a difference maker wherever you are. Make a difference every day in every way, somewhere, some way, somehow with someone. Use what you have to make a difference and what? To bring them out of the darkness and the hopeless into hope. So he says when you're in the darkest moment, that's the greatest opportunity. When I was, you know, couldn't quit partying, couldn't stop the lifestyle, and total three cars, parted out two colleges. You know, the boys say, Dad, when are you going to quit telling that story? It's just the truth. I tried to get high. I couldn't even get high. I was so miserable. For you that been in that before, you know what I'm talking about. That's why people OD a lot of times because they're still trying, they're doing more and more because after a while, you're conscious and everything else, you can't even get high. And what happened? Then I came to Christ. And I had the greatest light and the greatest hope that I didn't even know existed. You see, if you're hopeless right now, be a good cheer. 
you're getting ready to feel God like you've never felt him before. If you're hopeless and in the darkest moment of your life, be of good cheer because in your darkest moments is when you have an opportunity to get the greatest revelation of Christ. When you're going to really know he is true, he is who he says he is, he has done and will do what he said he will do, and he will, he will continue on just as always because he never loses a battle. What you got to realize, guys, is we have to get in alignment with him. Our prayers are too busy telling him what we need and what he needs to do for us and what doors he needs to open and what he needs to protect and guard for us versus what do you want me to do now? Call that person Holy Spirit? You sure? <laughs> yeah. Go sow a seed into them. But they hate me. Good. Sow two seeds into them. And love them. Don't do it, you know, out of pride or anger. Just do it. But if you don't hear God talking to you like that, you may be in a little darker place than you think you are. But I promise you this. It will get so bad. It will get so miserable. And if you think it's dark now, oh ye, out there and in here, it can always get darker. It can always get harder. It can always get tougher and difficult and more difficult and more lonely. Be of good cheer, saint of God. It can even get dark unto death. So, what's that mean? Find God in the darkness you're in now so you don't have to experience the other darkness. And you could take that and turn it into a ministry to bring others out of that darkness. This is your greatest opportunity. But what are you going to do with it? This is your opportunity to tap into the greatest light. Not a ministry, not a vision, not a gift, but Jesus. He is the light and the light of the world. Those living in deep darkness, the light has dawned. But the question is, the light dawned over 2,000 years ago in Israel. But look how many people are still looking for Jesus to come. Well-intentioned, good people looking for Jesus to come. He has already came. His light is all around them, but they cannot perceive it. I want to ask you, saint, can you perceive it? If all you're doing is filling your mind with hate and anger, anger or people agreeing with you all the time, if that's all you're doing, you can't see the light. I didn't talk about the light in you. I talked about the darkness around you. So you can bring it light. Let me wrap this up. So the greatest message of hope is Jesus. Let me see here. Got to jump through this. I'm about done. Somebody said, thank God, Gertrude, he's about done. I can't sit down. I'm hurting so bad. Lord, help him. I told you I was a heavy meddling preacher. I mean, metal preacher. So, so there is a hope. There is a hope crisis. We know that. But there's not a hope shortage. Hello. Somebody just logged on. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you overflow with confidence. That's Elphus. Confident expectation, hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, I pray that God, the source of hope, <clears throat> will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident expectation, hope, through what? The power of the Holy 
spirit. And then Hebrews 6, through the message, in the message translation, says, We have run for our very lives to God. To God. See, we who have run to, for our very lives to God have reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. Let me read again. We who have run for our lives, our very lives to God, have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. Hope is Jesus. He is grace. And if we want to have the hope that is the light of the world, it only comes through him. Without repentance, we're hopeless. That's for Christians too. Without repentance as Christians, it, it puts us in a hopeless spot. I know you've been looking at this for a while. It puts us in a hopeless place, right? Whenever we are what? Hopeless. That means there's an opportunity to return to God something we've been holding back. So if you're in a dark place, you feel hopeless. And you may not even know. It may be multiple things, one thing or something so deep you don't even know. Just give it to God. Later on, if he needs to, he'll give you understanding. But repent. That means to change your mind, direction, and behavior. To change from this way toward God. 